the choir comes down, you can be turning there. I'm going to read a little bit more than I said I would in the bulletin. I'm going to read on down to verse 34. And just to set the scene, we know that uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas have separated from one another as they decided to go on the second missionary journey. And so now you've got two teams out, and the focus comes to the Apostle Paul and Silas. They picked up Timothy. Uh, they're also picking up Luke along the way. And this team of uh, faithful men are going out with the gospel. And we see that they have, uh, in the last couple of verses that we read last week, that they were being uh, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go in certain places. And so the Spirit was leading them to go towards Macedonia. Philippi, specifically, is, is the city that they end up there, uh, preaching there. And uh, that's where we come to today, to Philippi. Let's hear God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word, verse 11, chapter 16. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word to us this morning. Where there is a will, there is a way, is a saying with which we are all most likely familiar. And it speaks to uh, uh, human uh, autonomy and, and human achievement. It's a very humanistic way of speaking. We believe that uh, if we set our minds to something, we can accomplish it. Of course, it's, it's not exactly true. I mean, we can accomplish quite a bit. We can put a man on the moon. We can fly a, a satellite uh, to, to Pluto. Uh, we can do many things uh, in technology and advances in, in health and science and so forth. And the list goes on and on. But there is a limit to what we can do. But there's no limit to what God can do. And when God has a will, there's always a way. In fact, there are many ways. And we see that today in the text before us. The book of Acts tells us that Jesus Christ is continuing to work. Uh, He's working in the world by the power of his Spirit, working through his representatives, namely people like Paul and, and Silas and Barnabas and Timothy and Luke. We see that Jesus has a will. He's trying to accomplish something. He is accomplishing something in the world. He is uh, building his kingdom. And he has many ways of accomplishing that will. In fact, we see several here in this passage as he goes to Philippi. Three different conversions. All of them very different, but all serving the same purpose. Well, the message of Christ's life, death, and resurrection and the implications of it to individual people is a message that Jesus commanded his followers to take to the world. Jesus himself has met the greatest need of sinful people. But sinners need to know about it. They have to hear about it. As Paul states in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. People have to hear this message we see here in the passage before us that this message of Christ, this good news, is being preached in Europe for the first time through Paul and his companions. The Lord himself has directed them to take it there in that vision of the man of Macedonia we read, uh, which is a few verses before the passage that we read. This is a life-giving message. When you think about what Christ has commanded his church to do is to preach this gospel, that's really the sum total of what we're to do as a church. It's a a, a highly important message that needs to go out to the world. 
Now, may you and I never take this message for granted. You know, we've, uh, the majority of us here are, are regular attenders of church, and we hear the gospel preached every week, sometimes many times a week, and it's easy to, to take it for granted. You've heard it before, you hear it over and over again, and, and it can lose its impact, sadly enough, not because the gospel is weakened, but because we're sinners. And we can take it for granted. This message needs to be preached to ourselves every day. Not by somebody else than ourselves. Probably need to have it preached to ourselves every day and to rehearse it to ourselves because we need to recognize the implications of it for our lives. It's one reason we come to the table. The Lord has given us the table. It's a physical picture of the gospel that we see. It's that important of a message. And, and the Lord is building his church through the proclamation of that message. And as people embrace Christ in faith, they become part of that church, part of that witnessing community. And that's his purpose in the world. And he accomplishes that purpose in many different ways. We see that. Uh, that the people who are encountered here at Philippi are, are very different, but they all recognize something uh, that this message tell, tells them. They recognize they had a need and they turned to faith in Christ. Very different experiences, each of them. First, Lydia, her heart was opened by the Lord to hear what Paul was preaching, and she was baptized. That baptism demonstrates. Uh, is a sig uh, sign and seal of her engrafting in Christ and of the washing, of the cleansing from sin that comes by regeneration and, and, uh, and faith and, and the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. So Lydia recognized something of her own sinfulness as she submitted to baptism and becoming part of the people of God. The demon-possessed slave girl, who knows what she really understood, but... But the Apostle Paul and the power of the Spirit drove that demon out of her. She was possessed, and surely this was a life-changing experience that we don't really hear anything about her response once it's over. She's certainly not the same person anymore because she's no longer useful to, her, to the slave owners. But she's been freed from the bondage she was in, freed from that sin that probably she invited upon herself. It happens often when you see uh, people possessed by demons that they've fooled around with evil and become possessed by it. And then the jailer cries out when, uh, when, all, when he thinks all the prisoners have gone, and of course uh, that would be shameful as a Roman soldier and would certainly uh, require death on, uh, because he has not fulfilled his duty to keep these prisoners in jail. And so he's about to fall on his sword. And then when Paul stops him, he says, what must I do to be saved? So he recognized that he, they had something that he did not have as they had been beaten yet were still singing and praising the Lord in the middle of the night. And he recognized something was lacking in his life and he had a personal crisis at that moment, a crisis of life and death. And he wants to be saved. He recognizes that he has some shortcoming that that can be met by this message that they have believed and that they are bringing to people. You see the evidence of conversion in each life. The Lord's will is carried out in their lives. The Philippian church is being created 
through these people and built up. And that church continues to grow as we, as we know from reading the book of Philippians. It became a great church, a church that had fewer problems than many of the other churches to whom Paul wrote in the New Testament. Well, that begs the question, have you recognized your need and accepted the provision made by Christ? This message is so important that Christ has commanded his followers to take it to the entire world. And really, when you think about what Christ has commanded us, that's, that's it. I mean, he's told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have a message. Do you believe that message? If you're struggling with believing that today, ask the Lord to do what he did for Lydia, to open your heart so that you might take heed to this good news of salvation that comes to us through Christ. And Christian, if you're a Christian here today, are you growing in living out the implications of the gospel in your life? Are you living in line with the truth of the gospel? When you think about besetting sins, your own struggles with the sin nature, Sometimes it helps me to think, you know, Christ did not die on the cross for me to continue in this sin. He's broken the power of sin. I'm no longer in bondage to that. And so remembering what he's done for me in light of my sin helps me to put it away and to follow Christ faithfully. He's died to free us from those things. That's just one way that we can live in line with the truth of the gospel, to live it out, the implications of the gospel. We never grow beyond the gospel. It's just a matter of, of applying it deeper and deeper into our lives and living out the implications of it. So that's the Lord's will. He's, he's building his kingdom, his church, through the proclamation of the gospel. And the, and the way that he works in people's life is very varied as we see through those three experiences. So the Lord has a will, but he has several different ways we see here. Uh, the previous verses to today's text tell us that Paul and Silas and Timothy were not able to preach the gospel in certain places. Uh, Tim, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was leading them in certain ways. We don't know exactly what that le leading looked like, but we can certainly look at the rest of Scripture and, and know that the Holy Spirit leads in different ways and and I wonder if this was at least a curiosity to them. Why, why were they not able to go here and, and were told to go there? Or it might have even been a discouraging thing for them because the Holy Spirit sometimes will give you visions like he did for Paul. Sometimes he will uh, lead you through, obviously, his word that we have. And that's one of the main ways that we're led. Sometimes we're led by circumstances. Sometimes we face closed doors. Was this just a closed door? Did they have some direct revelation from the Holy Spirit that, like, like they did when they were directed to go to Macedonia through that vision that they had? We don't know, but here they want to go and proclaim this life-giving message, but the Spirit is saying, no, you can't go there. The interesting thing is that though they are, they are forbidden from going into Asia, which is modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, they go on over into Europe, and the first convert is from Asia. Interesting how the Lord works. So all these different ways that the Spirit led them, possibly led them, brought them to Philippi. 
and it was a very direct way that he was led to go there, obviously. A vision in the night that Paul received where a man from Macedonia urged them to come over and say, come over and help us, he said. So into Europe they sail. Now when they got to, to Philippi, they hung out for a few days, it tells us there, until the Sabbath day. And then they went to a, a river prayer meeting. There was probably no synagogue in the city. If there was a synagogue, it was his practice at this point to go there and meet with the people. You have to have ten men, ten Jewish men, in order to have a synagogue, and they probably didn't have that. So this group of women, women gathered at the river to pray, and, and that was a typical, uh, typical activity of people when they didn't have a synagogue, to gather near rivers and pray. And they probably had some meeting place where they gathered together. And so Paul is coming, and of course, he's a, he's a teacher. And I'm sure they welcomed him in and asked him to speak, and he spoke to them. And then one of the, the women there named Lydia had her heart opened by the Lord, and she becomes a believer. And then, as they are continuing to meet with these people, they encounter this slave girl who is demon-possessed. And it literally says here in the Greek that she had the spirit of Python, she was a Pythoness. And in ancient Greek culture, a Pythoness was a person who was believed to be possessed by the spirit of the Python which guarded the mythic temple of Apollo and the Delphic Oracle. The Greeks called these people ventriloquists because they uncontrollably made clairvoyant predictions and proclaimed prophecies and other utterances in all sorts of strange and foreign voices. This is really weird, strange stuff that's going on here. They were considered to be inspired by Apollo and the Python. And people would go and, and ask them questions. And they would have, it's like a, having your fortune read, I guess, in, in, a, in a way, in a very weird and strange way. And so some people had taken advantage of this girl and they were using her for profit. She's kind of like a, a carnival sideshow that people pay money to go to. So Paul casts the demon out of her. He sees through it. He knows it's not uh, anything but demon possession. He casts the demon out through the power of the Holy Spirit and then she's no longer profitable for her slave owner. So her life was changed and that made the slave owners very angry. And so they had Paul and Silas thrown in prison. And there they meet the jailer. They're singing songs in the night, and, and the jailer is there, and he hears them singing. I'm sure he was uh, there by himself and had to listen to these crazy people singing songs and praising the Lord. And, uh, and then there's an earthquake, and he doesn't want to lose his... His honor, so he is going to fall on his sword. But the, but the guys are there. All the prisoners are there. Paul and Silas have had a great influence on them. I'm sure people wanted to, to run in every direction. They were free. And so he, he sees his crisis of his own life, and he sees that, as I said before, they had something that he wanted, some peace, some security. It's interesting that these three are chosen. I think, I think Luke is trying to tell us something. First of all, yes, the Lord has a will, but different ways. The past couple of weeks we've had 
uh, we have a total of 10 new members, communing and non-communing members, come into the church. And we're expecting a couple more at least. So if you are interested in joining the church, now's a good time uh, to, to speak to us. What we do when we ask people to, to meet with the session to become members of the church is to give their testimony, to tell us about their Christian experience. And it really is an encouraging thing to hear people's testimony because they're all very different. The Lord has worked through different means, different ways that uh, people have encountered the gospel, have seen their own need for salvation and turned to the Lord in faith. Sometimes that's taken years. Sometimes it's been a very quick conversion. Uh, w w the list could go on of all the different ways that people have come to know the Lord as their, as their Savior. Uh, in, in this passage, Luke is illustrating that. The Lord is accomplishing his purpose. The church is being built, but he's doing it all different kinds of ways. We've got a, a, a lady who was a professional, the seller of purple, Lydia. Uh, she had her own house, so she was doing well. And then you've got this slave girl who's on the other end of the spectrum who's crazy. And, and, and who knows what was going on in her life. And then you've got this average Joe, Roman soldier, working class guy, and he's converted. He's somewhere between the two. And one comes to faith through an earthquake, one comes to faith through a, a, a power encounter between God and demons, and the other comes through, through a teaching at a, at a synagogue meeting or a prayer meeting. Different ways, different means, but the gospel is proclaimed and people come to the Lord. He's going to accomplish his purpose. But there's different ways that he does it, different means, and in different timings. He was forbidden from going into Asia, but they're going to go there eventually. Uh, they're they're going to go into all those places with the gospel. It's going to get there sooner or later. But we have to remember that as we think about our own lives, where you are as a person. You know, you're here today. That's no accident. Uh, you, you have had the experiences that you had. God is in control of that. Have you responded to this message of the gospel? Have you recognized the circumstances in your life uh, are ordered by the Lord? That he has brought you to this place where you hear this message. And are you taking it on board? I pray that the Lord would open your heart to the good news of salvation. So the timing, you know, you may wonder... Why things happen like they do. I'm sure Paul and Silas were wondering, why can't we go over here and preach? Why do we have to wait? Why do we have to go 400 miles in this direction? God has his purposes. He has his timing. He will accomplish his will. Because that message is that important. Now when uh, Paul was a Pharisee before he was converted, and he would have been well famil familiar with a prayer that they prayed every morning. Lord, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a, a, a slave, or a woman. That's what Jewish men would pray every day. Funny thing is, it's exactly who the Lord converts here. Through a person who used to pray that every day. The gospel went out to, to two women, three Gentiles, and one was a Gentile convert to Judaism, and, and one slave. So it's amazing how the Lord has, has, he's going to accomplish his will. He's going to overcome all the obstacles. And he's going to do it in, in ways that we don't even maybe understand sometimes. But the Lord will accomplish his work. 
and bridge the gap and bring people into relationship with himself. We give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and goodness. This message is so important. I just hope that that you have embraced it today. And if not, pray that the Lord, as I said before, would open your heart as he did Lydia's. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would help us to embrace it fully. Grant us faith. Grant us repentance. Help us, Lord, to live uh, more closely in line with the truth of the gospel. May its implications reach into those dark places where we think no one else sees. Lord, we pray that you would cleanse and mold us, especially as we come to the table, Lord. We pray that we would again be reminded of the good news of what Christ has done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.